welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We are recording live from Mission Cigars and Social, Social here in Spring Hill, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devin. I'm joined by the birthday boy, Mr. Shane Reeves. Apt day to get to come back to doing one of my favorite things. I know. How's about this for a treat? I'm yeah. counting this as my present to you this year, just oh, FYI. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> At the price of gas, that's, a, that's that's the expensive things that impress me. Exactly. Yeah, it was about $600 to get down here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, so... Um, Big, big changes in the cigar cast and life in general for both of us. Yeah, there's been a lot going on. Well, you know, you got a new baby and getting used to a new house and all that, but I had a real hard time. I had to switch cigar shops. Right. I mean, that's that's tragic. That is tragic. <laughs> that, that's one of those life-changing moments that you don't recover from. That's right. Now, actually, so what happened is this originally was the big boy's shop, and Robbie decided to sell it. And three great guys who you'll hear in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to probably rotate them all in, Monty, Mark, and William, bought the shop. And they met on a mission trip together. And that's why they call it the Mission Cigars and Socials. And they've put a ton of money in the place. They've put the humidors in. They've put in doubled the number of smoke eaters. They put in four rabbit airs. So they've got the air quality situation solved. They've got the humidor filled up. They've got accessories. They've... They've done a great job putting this it, place it, together. It looks different in here too. There's a there's a lot more places to sit. Um, you know, it's just uh, it it almost looks like a completely different shop in here. Yeah, they've done a good and they've done a really good job of maximizing their space. Mm-hmm. To, you oh, know, it's sure. only seventeen hundred square foot, but they've they've got a lot of seating in here of good seating, yeah. not just people's. You know, we don't have to sit on each other's lap. Just good right. seating. Yeah, I'd that. say they probably doubled the amount of seating in here. Which oh, is at great. least yeah. So they've done a great job. You know, it, it's one of those things I was talking to Mark the other day, and I said, I always wanted to buy a cigar shop till I seen how hard you three had to work when you bought this one. Right. And now I know I don't want to buy a cigar shop. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of those be careful what you wish for things, isn't it? Oh, they have been wide open. So tell us about, or well, let's, you know, let's light our cigar let's first. Let's do it. So I'm going to smoke something special tonight. La Flor Dominicana Airbender Chisel. It's been a while since I've seen one. Well, no, the, no, no, you've never the, seen you've one. You've never seen one. Yeah. So it's they, been a while since I've seen an airbender. Yeah, they they didn't put the, you know, the chisel was the chapter one and the chapter two. And, and then they the, made a double a hero chisel as well. Right, they made a double a hero chisel, and this is the first time they put the airbender. And I've been re- recommending this to a lot of people because the airbender's probably the lightest yeah. of the LFD blends up to, you know, that still tastes good. I, right. I don't count the Lenox because it doesn't taste good. But um, you get that chisel shape, but you don't have to. And the chisel shape concentrates that smoke. I think it does, for sure, yeah. So a lighter smoke is going to be even even better with this. And then... Oh, you my, did it. My, no, my wife and Mr. Elkins got together and ordered me the Condor that from is Red slick. Horse Knife Works. That is awesome. And they got it in for me for my birthday about a month ago. Even though my birthday's today, you know how that goes. Yeah. And is, is that a bottle opener on the back as well? Yep. Bottle opener, self-defense tool. That's uh, right. But it's German steel. It's super sharp. It's, it's been and you everything know the Germans I make the best stuff. Mm-hmm. It's been everything I had hoped for and a little bit more. So Nice little carbon fiber inlay as well. Oh, yeah. So it's a um, right. new cutter. New cutter excitement coming on. 
And all, the only thing about it is, if you push it all the way in, you can almost cut too deep. But yeah. you like a little deeper cut. Not really. You accuse me of that, but I really don't. Well, and I've found that if I take and score the cigar first, because you see that little bit of fuzz you got right there yeah. on the end? Yeah. I find that if I score it first, that fuzz doesn't exist, but the blade is just so sharp, it just... Yeah. Not as user-friendly as I was expecting, but... One of those that I bet if you used it every day, you'd get the hang of it pretty quick. Yeah, there's a little bit of a learning curve. But anyway, the Airbender Chisel, Dominican cigar, fillers Dominican, binders Dominican, wrappers Ecuadorian Habano, um, the Chisel, which is 54 by 6.5, and and they actually call it on this website a Figurado, but it's a Chisel. Yeah. Really, really you shouldn't, shouldn't... You can't call it anything else. Right. You shouldn't cheapen the Chisel. Right. So what are you smoking? So I'm excited about this. I have actually, this is the first time seeing this cigar in a humidor since it was released. Uh, This is the new, you can tell we've taken three months off. I've already said, um, 14 times. So this is the new 1844 Nicaragua from H. Upman blended by A.J. Fernandez. Now, the previous collaboration between the two, between A.J. and Upman is one of my top five cigars of all time in terms of that sort of workhorse, everyday category. And I actually had one when I got to the shop this afternoon. But this uses all Nicaraguan tobacco grown on the Fernandez Farms. They're calling the wrapper a uh, triple fermented Brazilian Matafina. So I don't know what the triple fermented... uh, That's one of those terms that I don't know what it actually means. Yeah, isn't fermentation a process and once it's over I mean... It's over, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how you triple ferment something. It's kind of yeah. like when when you say to somebody did you do this? And they say, I'll triple check. Well, did you double check? No. Well, then how can you triple check? <laughs> uh, so I am smoking the Churchill version and on first light, lots of rich, sort of chocolatey, smooth a little bit of spice, which, of course, is the A.J. Fernandez trademark. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Well, that's become my go-to. Wow. That's really become my after my evening smoke, especially as it's been cold. And this place is 10 minutes from my house. So Glenda and I, in the evenings, if it's cold outside, instead of turning on heaters and putting on blankets and all that mess, we just jump in the truck and run over here and have a cigar. Are you not painting your porch this year? Yeah, I've got the panels up, but it's still it's still a little effort. It got it got pretty cold this year. Well, it's sustained. The closest thing to a winter we've had in Tennessee in recent memory. Yeah, just sustained cold is what bothers me. Yeah. Um, so we got to where we'd run over here, and that kind of got to be my go-to afternoon smoke. I can I can easily see that just from the eighth of an inch I've smoked so far. So this year, let's go straight to the news. After 20 minutes of talking to one another. <laughs> straight, just straight to the news. Um, we didn't cover it when it happened, so let's cover it now. The top 25 cigars of 2021. So, Ficionado, you can go and you can click it. It's, all, it's on their main header. This is their bread and butter. Right. This is, And when anybody talks about the top 25 of the year, you know, all of the publications do one, you know, snob and, and half wheel and you name it, but everyone knows it's aficionado is the one you look to. Yeah. It's kind of, it's for, for better or worse. It's the standard. Uh, number one, Padron 1964 anniversary series Toro. I feel like, you know how pro teams will retire a Jersey. I feel like at a certain point we have to retire the Padron anniversary series from this list and everybody else is playing for second. 
Yeah, it's, it's kind of like my Connect Four career. I got so good, I only play in exhibitions now. Right. And I think that's a Dave Damashek line. I'm giving Dave credit for that. But I, I love the analogy. I got so good that I only play, you know, ex- exhibitions. I no longer play for competition. Um, I feel like Padron's that way. I feel like Padron can just say, hey, we don't need the accolades. We don't need anything. We know we're the best. We don't need the press. Yeah, we don't need the press. If you're a cigar smoker, you know everybody in the cigar business is playing for second. And if you don't know that, you're a rep that's trying to fool somebody. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that, that's just the fact of it. So, um, yes, yeah, so, so discounting number one adequately. Um, how many on the top 25 have you actually smoked? Did you get a chance to think about that today? Let me quickly go through. Well, well let, let's, let's do this. I'm going to run through the list just by the number, and you say yes or no. And I'll, you keep counting, I'll keep count. All number right. two, no. Number three, yes. Number four, no. Number five, no. no. Yes. Six, no. no. Seven, yes. Yes. Eight, no. Nine, yes. Um, ten, no. Eleven, no. This is terrible radio. Yeah, it is. Okay. Let's yeah. Come, but anyway. So let's talk about the top five. All right. <laughs> yeah, that was that. <laughs> hey, folks. Hey, we've but, done this before. Believe it or not, you can get rusty at running your mouth. <laughs> if you can, if you can get rusty, it's anything. So anyway, okay. So number two was the Monte Cristo 1935 anniversary Nicaraguan number two. I can't tell you the last time I had a Monte Cristo. It's been a while. I think the Epic was the last one I smoked, and it was fairly new when it came when it came out that it, that I had it. You know, Monte Cristo is kind of what the I've noticed the old guys that don't like a really strong cigar smoke and can't afford a Davidoff. Yeah, yeah, or choose not to afford a Davidoff. Choose, not yeah. trying to. Most of them can afford a Davidoff, but they refuse to pay that for a cigar, which is That's admirable. Fair. Um, so, yeah, that one I haven't never had. The San Cristobal Churchill, Quintessence Churchill. I have had that one. Yeah, I've had that one. It was, it was a San Cristobal. Okay. San Cristobal are so good. And I think this is one of the, the few brands as a whole that you and I disagree on. I am a huge fan, and I know you just kind of tolerate it when you're in the mood for something a little different. Yeah, it's better than not smoking, but only slightly. See, I disagree completely, and I think they're so consistent. You know, this that the St. Cristobal brand used to be the one that I measured and I've talked about this on the show many times before. There are brands that you look for in a humidor to judge the caliber of that humidor. And before Ashton got a hold of them and really started pushing them, that was one of my that was one of those brands. Oh, they've got San Cristobal. They're they're they know what they're doing. Well, and that's been one of the interesting things about watching them try to stock this humidor. Is they have the they have the desire they just don't have the ability to get some cigars right you know there's just companies that you call that say hey we don't have any cigars you have companies that you call that say we'll send them to you but keep the boxes because we're just we can't get new boxes we're just going to reload the boxes yeah the back orders are killing the industry right now oh it's ridiculous it's absolutely um, horrific and I'll actually the the my father rep didn't call somebody I knew back for so long when he did call back he said no I'm not interested in doing business with you <laughs> you know it's just I and, get it and here's the thing if you're in business I return every phone call even if it's just to say no there is never somebody has called me that did not get their phone call returned 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, if you, just call them and say, hey, sorry, we don't have the inventory. And if they get mad and yell at you, they get mad and yell at you, whatever. But that's why you get... That's why you're in the job you're in. Right. You're you're in a customer relations business. You're going to eventually have to do some customer relating. Um, so just skipping around the list. The Partagas Series 4, number 4, uh, is the first Cuban on the list. And it's usually that... Op- usually a Cuban cigar hits the podium on this list. So I find that interesting that they didn't break into the top three. That is. That's, um, I didn't realize that that one was a Cuban. The Casa uh, Cuba number five from Fuente is an excellent cigar. That's a good cigar. You know, the first one of those I had, I had at Sanctuary Cigars down in Tampa because they're right there. You know, basically they just walked out of the J.C. Newman building and run them over there too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, not a bad smoke. Um, the Illusione Cruzado ha- had one. Haven't either. Haven't seen one. Didn't even know it existed. Yeah. Um, the V. Melanio Churchill, we, we knew when they said they were going to make a V in a Churchill that it was going to sell. Absolutely. Uh, jumping down a bit, Luciano the Dreamer in at number 12. Glad to see Luciano hitting the, hitting the big board here. Good cigar, great company, great guy. They're starting. Um, price point on that cigar has been a little out of the reach it of has. what I would like to see it at. Especially for as co- a company as young as they are. But, yeah. But well-deserved. Absolutely. And then... Drew Estate breaks in at 15 and 16 with Herrera and the Hoya. The Hoya Silver is good. I don't know that it's number 16 of the year good. Um, I don't know. I don't see... Well, yeah, when the Ramon Ayones Gigantes and the Ramon Ayones A.J. Fernandez is 18 and 22, yeah, it don't deserve to be 16. Yeah. Because it's not a better cigar than the Ramona Yones. The La Astoria from E.P. Carrillo at 24, I didn't even know they were still making that cigar. It, number, is a, it is a good cigar. Didn't it get Cigar of the Year a number of years ago? No, not the La Astoria. Okay. It was up there then. It was up there. Uh, the Demi- Lord Dominicana Airbender Chisel, number 20, the one I'm smoking oh, right now. And enjoying. And the Kintsugi, which I think you enjoyed. No, I wasn't impressed. You weren't impressed. Okay. I smoked it, but I didn't necessarily like it. Was that our last episode? I don't know. Okay. That's that's been three months and that's been three months and three thousand house plans ago. I couldn't tell you. Fair enough. And all my house so a big reason for the delay was the baby and I got so busy at work. I have literally worked more Saturdays in twenty twenty two than I did if you added eighteen, nineteen, twenty, and twenty one together. If I would think going back even further than that, you've never worked a Saturday that I've known you. Well, I've, I've tried my best l- to avoid it. Less than one a year. Yeah, and I've probably worked most Saturdays this year. That's amazing. Yeah, it's it's not a great idea, but I overloaded myself. I took I took on a little more than I probably should have, so I had to work my well, way out. Well, you knew out. I was giving you two weeks uh, or two hours a week back. Yeah. Well, by the time you drive up there, by the time you have the second cigar, I mean, that's right. it's a whole night. Yeah. <laughs> and all, but anyway. So, so we, so one of my favorite shows that we do every year is the Stogie Awards. And obviously we didn't get to do that this past year. So I do, since we're talking about the top 25, I want to do a quick rundown of maybe not where we, maybe not the categories that we normally do, but some of the high points of the last year in cigars. Because I know this is something that, that both of our listeners do look forward to every year. And because... You thought there was going to be some disagreement from me over Cigar of the Year. You thought I was going to say the Almafuerte Solomon from 
Placencia. Right. And I'm sorry, but it's not. In my opinion, the cigar of the year last year was the Undercrown 10. That's a good contender. I would be hard-pressed, especially when you consider that it's about $8 cheaper than the Placencia. Don't get me wrong. And I, you'll be impressed with me. I still have four of those Placencias left. You know, the Placencias just have not done it for me. And uh, You know, everybody's getting them. Placencia's made a huge push in the market. Which is funny because they've been around forever. Yeah, and I was scrolling around trying to find my Stogies list because I didn't have it. But anyway, I'll find it for another time. Yeah, the, um, and I'll tell you, the Drew Estate 20 Acre Farm, excellent smoke. I had one of those. Uh, Robbie gave me one of those as a congratulations when Lane was born, and I really, really enjoyed it. And I think your uh, sort of elevator pitch of it's everything that you love about the Undercrown Shade just turned up to 11 is exactly right. You know, I'm not a huge Undercrown Shade fan, certainly not to the level that you are, but that that... 20-acre farm just really, really impressed me. You know, my my workhorse is still the Africa. That's still the cigar that most days I smoke one of. Most mornings I have an Africa. Um, it's especially convenient coming over here and just sitting down and having one before right. I go to work. Uh, you know, as it's been 20 degrees and I get time I get done walking the dog, I'm a solid ice cube. Yeah. So that one's kind of been my workhorse, but... Also, that new A.J. Fernandez heritage. I can see this. I, I'm, man, I'm really digging this. Altadice is making theirself a spot in my cigar smoking life. And there for a long time, you wouldn't have touched them. Yeah, for a long time, they didn't have anything for me. Yeah. They just, they didn't, but they've kind of evolved and pushed themselves ahead. And just, um, they've done a great job, man. I yeah. mean, I'm, credit where credit's due. Altadice has done a great job stepping up their portfolio it seems like though after the africa a lot of the la aurora stuff has been waning yeah i haven't gotten the now i liked the nicaragua bit a lot more than you did but that was the last cigar for me where they really turned it turned it up and i can't help but think about the fact that the other change they made around that same period of time was the complete upending of their sales model. And part of me wonders if the, the bean counters that decided to position the company in the market based on you know, overhead and, and opportunity cost maybe aren't putting the R&D cost back into making cigars that stand out. You know, it's a tale as old as time. A business does well for a couple of years, and then the bean counters get together and they say, hey, how can we make more profit without doing more? You know, what, how do we do that? And it all, oh, you know, it happened in the 1990s to the comic book industry. It's right. the most notable thing. In the 80s, late 80s, comic books were giant. Everybody, every kid collected them. Every kid loved them. And then in the 90s, when Marvel Comics was bought by the Jewish Consortium, they started releasing, okay, well, we got bagged copies of a card and a holographic cover right. and to get, a, to, you know, six editions of the same book, and it just destroyed the comic book industry. It, it's the same thing that happened to the baseball card industry as well, which is once they started to recognize the collectability of their basically throwaway product prior to that point... And then they started marketing and ma manufacturing towards that collectability and losing the 
the meat of what made them successful in the first place. And I'm not suggesting that that's what happened to, to Miami Cigar La Aurora necessarily, but you know, because I recognize that correlation doesn't equal causation, but it is just a little curious to me. Well, and then you look at somebody like Forged that really has made a good push in the market. Um, new company using old cigars, but they've, they've really made a good push in the market, and they've had some hits and they've had some misses, but I don't mind hits and misses as long as they're out there swinging. It yeah. just seems like Aurora's kind of trying to walk the bases. Yeah, and in an industry like the cigar industry where things are changing on a, on a rapid, rapid scale, uh, you can't you can't rest on the success of last year. Well, you know, I say it in here at least once a week. They say, how do you like that cigar? It's good, but you can't be good in the cigar business. Mm-hmm. You've got to be great or you you're, might as well call it a day. So, yeah, it's kind of um, been interesting trying to get all that together. So um, moving forward. And I'll, do you want to hit the National Academy of Sciences release report on premium cigars before we go? Yeah, let's let's do that because I think there's some there's not a whole lot of meat here uh, without just reading the whole article. But some important news came out of the FDA, and that is that they had an independent study done, and basically, kind of trying to determine a definition around premium cigars and and some recommendations for whether or not they need regulation or how and that sort of thing. A couple of main points, and, the, and I would say the biggest win for the, the cigar industry was the recommendation that, yes, cigars should have multiple classifications. Right. Premium cigars are not the same as cigarettes. Exactly. And, and not only that, they're not the same as machine-made cigars. They're not the same as... And there was a third... and uh, They just say... Yeah, so it's premium cigars, large cigars, and small cigars are kind of how they're tentatively structuring it. And I I can see that because you get not every cigar that's a Churchill is a premium cigar. And so I, but definitely, you know, non-premium full full format cigars, we'll say, are not the same as Swishers and other... Right, long filler cigars. Right. So I, I, I think that's huge to just get that definition moving forward. Well, this is the first step, and in my opinion, this is a very, very small step because everything they said was kind of, it was like, okay, we're going to make one statement, and then we're going to ask 28 questions around that statement to give ourselves room to get out of it. Well, and yes. that may just be lawyer talk. I may just not read enough legal legalese things to just say that but it seems like every statement they made they followed up with like 18 questions of this is ways we could get out of this being true well especially you know one of the other conclusions there's strongly suggestive evidence that health consequences of premium cigar smoking overall are likely to be less than those smoking other types of cigars and they go to the fact that most premium cigar smokers are non-daily smokers and, and most are don't inhale so now we've gone from changing the categorization categorization of premium cigars as a product, and now we're changing the categorization of the users of that product. And that's where you start getting into some really, how do you legislate behavior around a product? And it's hard to do, if not impossible. Well, not only is it hard to do, if not impossible, it should never happen. I agree with that. Yeah. There should never be a 
point in which we try to legislate behavior. This goes back to my complaint against aftermarket car stereos. Have I have I brought this analogy up on the show before that you remember? Probably not. Do you have not. a clue what I'm talking about? Okay. So in the late 90s, early 2000s, aftermarket radios were the thing. Even if you weren't like a car tuner, you know, technology was advancing so fast that everybody, even non-audiophiles, were replacing the radio. In their, and then DVDs came on. that You could get a DVD screen in your car. And so Congress came out, or individual states, I don't know who it was, it doesn't matter, said it's illegal to watch a video on that screen on your dash while the car is in motion. And so all of the manufacturers of these aftermarket stereos said, fine, we'll put in a safeguard that you wire a ground to the parking brake. And so you can only, the, the screen will only activate if the parking brake is engaged. Right. Perfect. They have effectively legislated the behavior and then the manufacturer of that product has complied. So we've, we've effectively made it so that we're not encouraging this behavior. I still think it's a bit of an overreach, but okay, that's the end of it, right? Well, it should have been. But instead what happened is people were running that wire to a two-pole switch and they were just turning it on and that was it. And that, while that should have been the end of it because the legislation didn't change, what happened was all these manufacturers of car stereos started putting in like pulse signals where you had to do it once and then long and short. No, no, no. You've, you've done it. Right. You're not responsible for people circumventing your safeguard. Be done with it. Yeah. The, you know, government overreach is a big, big topic today. Um, and there's, you know, determining the proper role of the federal government in our life is the question that we shall face for the next 10 years, if not have been facing for the 10 years before. 100 years. Um, you know, the, the founders of the Constitution had a pretty good grasp on it. It seems like it's been eroding since then. And I just, it's so hard for me to discuss that stuff because I have no desire to tell you what to do. And I have no desire to be told what to do. Right. So I guess I'm just not cut out for government work. <laughs> well, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, I just, I don't get it. I don't get why, I don't get why. They can't say, okay, premium cigars, here's the facts. Um, here's the here's the carcinogens, here's the risks you're running, here's the straight-up facts about what you're doing. Choose to do what you want. Right. Which goes back to one other thing I want to hit before we stop for the break, which is there is conclusive evidence that the addictive, toxic, and carcinogenic constituents of cigar tobacco in general are the same as those present in cigarette tobacco. Now, I have a problem with the way this is worded because... It goes on to say there is suggestive evidence that constituents of premium cigar tobacco are similar to constituents of other cigars because all tobacco contain, contains nicotine, carcinogenic, tobacco-specific, nitrosamines, metals, and precursors to toxic and carcinogenic compounds, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't say in what quantities. And it's comparing cigarette... It, it's saying cigarette tobacco, but we know that cigarette tobacco is not the... Where that where that train stops because there's additives and th- and and things like that. So, if just because these things are present in cigar tobacco and cigar smoke doesn't mean they're present in the same quantities. Not only that, you can't say that cigars are as addictive as cigar cigarettes. Just there, how many people do but, we know 
that come, I mean, there's one that comes to Crown every Friday night that doesn't smoke cigars anymore. He said, hey, I was smoking too many cigars, so I cut back, decided I'd smoke one a month. Have you ever heard of a cigarette smoker being able to do that? No. Under any condition? Right. I mean, it is just the most addictive thing. So I I don't agree with the way they they read their findings there. Yeah. The carcinogens in cigar smoke in general are qualitatively, not quantitatively, the same as those in cigarette smoke. And that's the thing I have an issue with. Just because they're also present, we've never done, to my knowledge, a study on what the limit is. And it's, you really can't because everybody's personal you know, biology and chemistry are going to react differently. But the point is, it, just because they're there doesn't mean, you know, even the U.S. government, the FDA, has a, a, an acceptable level of rat crap that can be in your hot dog. So we know that there's a limit quantitatively to these things, but we've, we haven't explored that here. Yeah, I, the, the study left me wanting, because mm. when, when I look at a scientific study, and this is probably my problem, well, this is, also, this is also a, a, a scientific study that's been distilled for consumption by lawyers. So it's, I would love to get my hands on the actual data and look at the scientific study in earnest. Yeah, that would, that would definitely be valuable. Let's step away for a break. Better yet, turn it into a movie. I'll watch that. <laughs> when we come, hey, Derek's here. When we come back from the break, I want to talk about um, cigar smoking tank tops and zooming from a moving vehicle. All right, we'll be back with that and more after this. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from Trey. I don't have a bump joke this week. <laughs> And I was, I've been so, ha- I was so happy that we were getting back in the groove, that we were getting back to doing it and everything like that. So in lieu of a bump joke, what is the day of a new father like? Because I know Noel's been not working. Right. But I also know you. I know you're not mailing it in. No, I, that I is know, definitely true. I know Trey's diving right in there. So just a quick sketch. Give me the, give me the daily routine of a Trey. So uh, I, I will pull a day from... Because it makes me look better. I'll pull a day from about one and a half months old. Um, so it starts usually about 3.30 in the morning with that overnight feed. That's still nighttime. Yeah. It's, uh, well, no, it's, it's, the clock says it's tomorrow. So, um, but he's been really good. He, he usually only wakes up once a night. The last couple of weeks we've had more nights of him sleeping all the way through the night than we have where we've had to get up. So that's good. And most of those has been, have been because we've turned his schedule on its head by going to see people for dinner or stuff like that. But, And then he gets up usually around 6.30 or 7. And then I take that feeding and diaper change as well and uh, spend a little bit of time. He's at that age now where he's staying awake a little bit more. So we usually go out uh, into the living room and, and, you know, make faces at each other and blow raspberries and do all that fun stuff uh, before I head upstairs and go to work. And... Yeah, important not to get those two confused. We'll talk about Zoom calls in a minute. Right. <laughs> he has joined a few Zoom calls. He has. But uh, And then you know, throughout the day, one of the nice things about working from home is that, you know, before he arrived, most of the time, right after 
about lunchtime, I would usually head out and w- work the afternoons from the cigar shop because I focus better when I have a little bit going on in the background. But I haven't been doing that since he was born, by and large. And so, you know, if something goes wrong, if we've got something happening, I need to jump in and, and watch him for a minute so that my wife can just take a few minutes to breathe. You know, that I'm there for that, which is really great. And, you know, nighttime is when he's... He starts to get a little, you know, being awake that long, even if you're napping, is, is hard when sure. you're that young. And so he starts to get a little bit grumpy. So we, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still cooking dinner while we, we play and, and uh, you know, bath times are fun. He absolutely loves bath time to the point that when he hears water running, he starts smiling. I got a Labrador like that. <laughs> we got it. This, this thing, I, I will say to any anybody who is either expecting to become a parent or buying a baby shower gift for an expecting parent it's forty dollars it's called the otteroo and it sounds like the stupidest thing in the world but i swear it's the greatest invention ever it's basically a pool float inflatable that goes around their neck right and it allows him to basically float weightless in the bathtub and he loves it. He swims laps in the bathtub and splashes and kicks. And I can, if, if he's having a night where he's particularly fussy, I can get 45 minutes of happy baby by just slapping that thing around his neck and dropping him in the bathtub. <laughs> Fill it up Sup- first. Supervised, of course, <laughs> you know. But, and then, and then, yeah, it's, it's. So more running or less running since you got the baby? Ah, uh, lots less. I did get a treadmill. For my desk in the office, and I have not been as diligent as I would like, but most days I walk five miles while I'm taking meetings and stuff like that. So I am still getting moving uh, a little bit. I'm hoping once it warms up, I need to map out our new neighborhood because the main road that our neighborhood is on is not conducive to just leaving my house and going for a run like I used to. Right. So... I need to map out my neighborhood and see how far I can run inside the neighborhood and if that's going to be a viable option for me coming up. So speaking of working from home, um, this is from cleveland.com. And this is, you know, this is somebody that knows how to write an article. Cigar smoking tank tops and zooming from a moving vehicle tells from the remote court during the pandemic. So I... I find I don't like this article, but I do find it very interesting. And it reminds me a lot when social media was up and coming about 10 years ago. And there were all of these articles similar to this that were basically around whether or not your employer has the right to fire you over something that you post to your personal social media paid off off hours. And we, we've seen time and time again, and we know for a fact that, you know, through cancel culture and other sorts of things that have, have popped up over the last few years, that they absolutely can. You can 100% lose your job for something that you did while not technically representing the company. And I feel like this is the same kind of thing in that person's behavior is going to lend itself, it is is forcing us to make decisions on what's what's what makes the most sense in arenas where we didn't previously have to. Well, as it pertains to our hobby of choices, it pertains to cigar smoking. <clears throat> so I understand if you're going to be appearing at a court case not having a stogie in your hand or your lawyer not having a stogie in their hand, 
and distracting as that might be and blowing smoke at the camera and all that. And I can understand that that being a no good. But at the same time, there's a part of me that goes, I'm, I'm in my own house. I'm dressed appropriately. It wasn't that long ago that you could smoke in a courtroom and you're not in a courtroom. As long as you're otherwise obeying the rules of the courtroom, which is, you know, behaving in a respectable manner, dressed semi-appropriately, being quiet, you know, addressing people correctly, I really don't see what the problem is. I can understand that it could be a distraction to the people, because keep in mind, at the time when you smoked in courtrooms, you also could smoke in restaurants, you also could smoke in parks... You, people smoked in their cars. People smoked in their houses. Yeah. So at the time that that was going on, it was a much more acceptable smoking. So you were less likely to become a distraction holding it. I, I can I can see that. There's a famous uh, attorney, and I wish I could remember his name. It was somewhere in the South. I want to say Kentucky. And he was known for smoking a Churchill, and he would always light it at the beginning of the case, and he would never ash it. And so it intentionally was a distraction in the courtroom. Yeah, that's a famous, actually that's a famous story about Winston Churchill, is he would straighten out a paper clip and put it into his cigar when he was meeting with somebody he didn't really like, and the ash would become an increasing distraction to them. Right. And I can understand stuff like that being, now, here's the thing, though. If you're at your office, if you're working from your home office and you happen to be on a Zoom call on a boring meeting and you want to fire up a stick, doesn't shouldn't bother nobody. And and honestly, I do that now that the weather's getting nicer. You know, we've got that back patio out there. I, yeah, in, in fact, I've already done it a couple of times. I just turn my camera off. I mean, I still don't want, you know, I wouldn't smoke in the office, so I'm not going to turn my camera on when I do it, but I, I do it all the time. Yeah, I don't think it hurts a thing. I don't think if, you know, what you want to do in the, in the privacy of your own home, if you want to have a glass of wine, if you want to have a cigar, whatever you want to do, Especially if it's one of those after-hours meetings, it's a little longer or something like that, or it's just you and one other person, just you and your boss saying, hey, we need to run through all these case files and be sure that everything's followed up. Catching a stick during that doesn't seem like a problem to me. Yeah. But it's it's a real modern problem. It's interesting how modern a problem that is. Well, there was a, you know, not as it relates to court necessarily, but there was a, you know, early on in the pandemic when everyone was adjusting to working from home, there was a, there were a couple of stories about offices that were requiring their folks to dress as if they were come, coming into the office and would actually like make people stand up from their desk to prove that they weren't wearing they had pants sweatpants <laughs> and you know a polo shirt and at, at that point i the computer you know the office ends where my computer keyboard ends and you don't get a you don't get the ability to right the you know, in the labor market we have now, where good labor is hard to find and harder to keep, mm-hmm. you know, we, for years the employers have kind of had the advantage. Now that those days are over. Yep. And in that market, you increasingly, you know, um, my wife and I had this discussion today about a red flag on somebody. You know, you you increasingly kind of establish red flags with certain employers and Mm -hmm. certain employee, you know, certain customers I have. You know, I had talked to a customer Friday, talked to her for 15 minutes and just told her, hey, I'm not the guy for you. I don't do what you want done. And then her builder immediately calls me afterwards and says, hey, she said you won't draw her plan. 
I said, I won't because what she wants is not what I do. And he said, well, I need to consider whether or not I want to build her house because I didn't know that what she wanted was so far, you know, out of the realm that you wouldn't even draw it. Yeah. So there's benefits to that, but I think we're going to see more of this red flag behavior being analyzed, which gives me great joy because I, I kind of like that. Right. Okay, let's, let's, let's hit the dumbest article that was everywhere this morning. This morning, I sat down to get my content ready, and I said, okay, we've been off for three months. We're, I'm going to have content coming out of my ears. And 18 of these Michael Jordan smoke cigar up for auction come up. Okay. Do you want to hang out with the guy that would buy Michael Jordan's smoked cigar? There's, you know, and these come up off at Churchill's smoked cigars. And they, these things come up from time to time. And I just don't know who's buying this stuff. Well, I can understand. And, I, you know, if you look at... Michael Jordan and what he did for the world and Churchill, what he did for the world. Yeah, Churchill wins right every time. Now, I don't know how good a basketball player Churchill was. Probably not great. But I just don't think... I think there has to be a line of it. And Michael Jordan's smoked cigar, if somebody pays more than a buck twenty-five for this, it just seems like a waste. <laughs> it yeah. seems kind of foolish to me. What do you think it's going to go for? I will say... Um, I will say because it's Jordan and because he is semi-known for cigars, I will say $10,000. That's what I'm going to go for. But the thing is, if it goes for $10,000, if you're the fool that buys it for $10,000, how many more of these are going to pop up? I I bet it goes for for about a hundred, about a hundred thousand. Oh no, no way. You don't think so? Can't, can't, I, I can't imagine it getting close. Wow, the new microphones are good. I heard my lighter. <laughs> I did too. Um, I, I can't imagine it gets close to that. If it breaks the 10000 mark, I'll buy you a cigar. <laughs> you, if, if, it, if it breaks $10,000, then you just keep track. I'll owe you a cigar. I'll All buy right. you a stick. Because I can't imagine it goes anywhere near that. Uh, but, you know, this has been, it's, and okay, so you get the picture of him smoking this supposed cigar, and is it encased in Lucite? Did they at least, did they at least spend the money to encase it in Lucite? Seems like one of the articles I read had it encased, so that it at least it, had a little bit of elbow grease in it. It looked like it was. I can't tell from the picture. But, um, just a... A silly article, just something silly, and like I said, I just I don't know that I want to hang out with the guy that's interested in buying Michael Jordan's smoked cigar. So, cigars. <laughs> <laughs> it sold for one thousand five hundred fifty-nine dollars. Uh, yeah, and they overpaid at that. Okay, good. Opening I'm, bid was five hundred. Yeah, I, I can see that. I couldn't see anybody spending big money for something like that. So moving forward to another topic that I really want to dig deep in. I really, I've, you know, some, th- some articles we skim through and some topics I like to kind of get down into the weeds. Cigars International plans six to eight new stores by 2025, doubling retail footprint. Why does this have your intrigue peaked so much? I don't think the cigar superstore is A, good for the industry, B, viable, and C, I don't want to hang out with the guys that buy their cigars at Walmart. 
That, I mean, that's that's fair. But you and I are both big fans, and I realize that it doesn't necessarily tip the scales of the superstore type of uh, footprint. But you and I are both fans of Casa, and it's that same sort of manufacturer owned, you know, extra buying power resulting in discount prices. It, it's a, it's a similar model. Have you visited any Casas beside the Nashville Casa? Uh, I don't think I have, no. I haven't either. So what makes the Nashville Casa great is Larry and Hutch. They work hard. They're good guys. They make a great shop. They put things together. It doesn't feel like a corporate store. Danny and Chris, I'm going to tell you that, that his ex- his opinions are his express opinions alone, and I love you both. Well, I'm, <laughs> let me clarify. I feel like Hutch and Larry set the standard, and I feel like the employees behind that follow. Well, Chris Schladel is the guy who replaced Larry as GM of the store. Okay. And I have smoked a number of cigars with the guy, and I have talked to him about you know kind of the vision for the shop and what they're doing, and I really think... I, did Larry set the standard? Absolutely. Is Chris going to take it to the next level? 100%. But I would be interested to visit, um, what's a big enough sample? Four other Casa stores? I don't even know how many they have at this point. Oh, there's 30 or 40 around, okay. I'm sure. Um, I would want to visit a couple of other Casa stores and see if it's if Nashville is lightning in a bottle like it is with so many things. Let's face it, Nashville's awesome. Yeah. It's lightning in a bottle to so many of these type deals just because of the nature of Nashville people. I would be interested to go further out and broaden my sample size and see if CASA becomes more sterile corporate and less down-home smoke shop. I, I would be interested to, to partake in that exercise. I think, I think you have a point, and it's very likely that that could be the case. I would... I would like to think that the powers that be that are running the retail side of Altidus are putting those types of people in place everywhere. Yeah, they understand that the cigar business is a people business. Right. And they act accordingly yeah. based on that. But Cigars International, when you're talking about putting together a superstore, um, stocking, you know, 7,000 to 12,000 square feet. Most stores between 7,000 and 9,500. That's a lot of employees in an operation. It is. And maintaining what the, the, more, the more employees got, the lower quality the whole as an average gets. I would, okay. Yeah, there are exceptions to that rule, but by and large, that that's true. And especially because, you know, Cigars International isn't exactly known for, you know, customer service and that sort of thing. It, yeah. So the, the Cigar Superstore, I just don't know if by its model works. Um, I do know, now I will say, I think if Casa de Monte Cristo had built in Cool Springs or Brentwood or somewhere with decent parking and access... They'd have put a lot of cigar, a lot of brick and mortars out of business. The, yeah, their location definitely, it's it's their strongest strength and their biggest weakness. Yeah, yeah, I think that... Because that area of town was desperate for a cigar shop. And I hope, I would love to think that Altadis, I, you know, I respect intelligence above all else. Mm-hmm. 
And I hope that Altad said, okay, we don't want to put out the the individual guy. We just want a presence in a tourist location. And we know that 80% of our business is going to be people just coming through town, stopping to get a stick. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not out We're not out to kill off the homegrown cigar shop. And then they got here, and they realized that they developed a following of regulars, the likes of which have never been seen in that area of town, to the point that they expanded after only two years of operation and nearly doubled their footprint. So they're clearly doing doing something right. Yeah. And so I, I would like to, you know, I feel unprepared to really delve as deep as I'd like to in this conversation because my only experience with corporate store has been so limited. Right. But I do, you know, I get your point, you know, when you're talking about a 95 to 17, 9,500 to 17,000 foot square foot place, the idea of getting lost in the mix as a customer, as a regular, especially, can be a, a, a tricky proposition. But I also think about the areas where these are going to be located. You know, they're talking about they've got several in Texas or they've got two in Texas. One of the new ones they've announced is going to be in San Antonio. San Antonio's got some. It's been a while since I've been to a cigar shop in San Antonio, but they really only had one or two good shops supporting that town. So it could be that they're choosing this based on the fact that they know there is a large contingent of cigar smokers that are currently underserved. I don't know if this is the way to serve them, but for your bachelor parties, for your big groups of people that are, you know, coming into a city from a tourist perspective, I can see how this, you don't have to worry about the running out of seats. Right. You don't have to worry about parking. You don't have any of that stuff. You know they're going to have whatever you're looking for. I can see how it would be a draw for your non-regulars. Yeah, I can see that. I would like to see them drop one of these. To me, the the gold test, drop one of these in Atlanta. Yeah. Drop one of these in Atlanta where there's already so many cigar shops and see what happens. See if you start seeing small shops folding and flying off the shelves or if you start seeing um, if if the store suffers. But, you know, I think if I were passing through a town like San Antonio and I didn't... Maybe this wasn't the closest to me, but at least I knew it was a known quantity. I could see how, from a from a traveling, not being native to the city where it's being built, it could have that draw, that name recognition. Yeah, for the for the tourists, I think you're right. For the regulars, I think regulars have their shop that they kind of set up shop at. And and by the way, speaking of regulars and shop, Crown Cigar is still an excellent cigar shop. Don't want anybody that's visiting Nashville to not go to Crown because I don't go there as often as I once did. There's Someone thinks awful highly of his opinion, don't well, you? I do. My, my opinion's important. I mean, the, the two or three people that are Just listening to you. this value it. Um, but I've moved here because I love the guys that own it. There is always an owner on premises in this shop. You never come in these doors that one of those three men are not sitting there. And to me, that's that goes a long way in a shop. Yeah, it it does. It absolutely does. Especially when you're talking about, um, you know, guys that really enjoy cigars and enjoy talking. And these guys started this shop with with a very limited cigar knowledge. Thankfully, they've had a you know a nationally renowned podcast host here to help them help guide them as Nas- they go through internationally. The, thank you inter- very much. That's right, internationally. We got Alex. <laughs> I give Alex credit. And um, I feel like that 
They listen to their customers really well. They really address the air quality to be sure that they are presenting the best air quality that can be presented in in a shop this size and all that. And that's but I I don't want anybody to think that I have abandoned Crown as a good place to have a stick because Crown's still a good place to have a stick. Oh, absolutely. And also. Let's wrap it up. Let's land this plane. Tell me what you think about the Nicaraguan heritage. I'm going to go six on this. It is really, really good. I still think I prefer the other one, though. What do you prefer about the other one over that one? It's brighter. That one, to me, is smoother than the other one. It is. And it does, if you took the label off of that and asked me to smoke it and say, is that an A.J. Fernandez, I probably wouldn't. Which is, and that's, and that's it for me. I, I love that trademark A.J. Fernandez flavor, and I don't get as much of it out of this as I do the other one. Yeah. I'm still getting that little, like, salty sweat <laughs> kind of thing that I get from, from A.J.'s cigars. I, it's a, it's an excellent, excellent cigar. But... It's mahogany, and the other one is oak or birch. It's a little bit, it's a little bit lighter, a little bit brighter, with all of the same flavor and complexity. Yeah, a six is a very fair rating on that cigar, and uh, especially for the price point and the ability to slip it into a workhorse type yeah. role in your cigar smoking life. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know the Airbender, the Airbender in the chisel fixes all the things I didn't like about the Airbender. Um, you get a little more flavor, a little more tang, a little more concentrated smoke, just a little better cigar in the chisel. This is one of those deals where the Vitola has made a huge difference in this cigar. Um, this is definitely a six for me. And all I'm, you know, it's not good enough to be a seven, and it's probably not good enough to be a six and a half, but it's definitely not going to be a five. It's always going to be about a six for all me. All right. Well, how do they get a hold of us, Trey? You can reach us on Instagram and Twitter at The Cigarcast. Email info at thecigarcast.com and facebook.com slash thecigarcast. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening this week. We will be back next week, and we will be back on our regular schedule by whatever means necessary. That's right. And until then, have a great cigar and think well of us. 